You know, there is no panic quite like reaching down to your pocket and not feeling your wallet there. In that instance, your life flashes before your eyes the last several hours anyway. I remember my friend Bob. My friend Bob and I were out driving around up by Oakland one day and we stopped at this cemetery and on the edge of the cemetery was some woods and Bob, who was quite a bit older than me, told me that his father used to squirrel hunt in those woods. And one day he was out hunting and he lost his wallet. And it just so happened that his wallet contained a thousand dollars and this was back in the 40s they were very poor he had lost his wallet with a thousand dollars in it and bob said for years that that came for years that followed they would take sunday drives as a family and they would stop and they would comb the woods the entire family would comb the woods looking for that wallet it was about 10 years ago when bob told me that story I've been to that woods a a couple of times since, and I've got to admit, I I look, I stop and look and turn over some logs and look around every now and then. I have no idea what happened to the wallet. Bob never knew. His father never knew. As far as they knew, it had never been found. And I'm not sure what would have happened to it in the woods all these years later. Would it have rotted away? Would it have, would the weather, what would the weather have done to it? No matter what, though, the value of that wallet never changed. That wallet, no matter what condition it was in, it was always going to be worth $1,000. It was always worth looking for. I mean, $1,000 today is a lot of money, but can you imagine in the 1940s? And his father lived with the regret of losing that wallet and what that did to him and what that did to his family. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories about three lost things, all of them having value. He tells a story about a lost sheep. He tells a story about a lost coin, and he tells a story about a lost son. And Jesus tells these stories in response to criticism that he had received. And in verses 1 and 2 of Luke chapter 15, Luke fills us in, and he says that all the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to hear him, And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. You see, the problem was with the Pharisees. The problem was with the Pharisees and the scribes. They they didn't see the value of these people that were coming near to Jesus. I remember when when I was in high school, the army recruiters used to come in every few months and try to sign us up to to join the army, and, and they would always give us prizes. They would give us gifts for showing up to their presentations. And I always went just just to get the gifts. And I'd come away with a camouflage hat. I got camouflage hat. I got a camouflage pair of socks. I got a camouflage t-shirt. And I received several camouflage wallets. I think I ended up with about three or four camouflage wallets. I never understood that. Why would you camouflage a wallet if you lose it? It's, it's gone. But you know, I, I didn't buy those wallets and I never put anything in those wallets. I wasn't invested in those wallets. They didn't mean anything to me. Over the years, I probably threw them away. I I may have lost one or two, and and the fact is I I didn't care. I had nothing invested. I had no money in them. I certainly didn't have $1,000 as a high school student. It was no real loss to me. That's how the Pharisees viewed these people who were drawing near to hear Jesus. They had no value to them. They were not going to 
search for them. They certainly wouldn't have spent 60 years combing the woods for them. But Jesus, he, he saw these people as valuable. He saw them as a gift. More than that, he, he was pouring value into these people. You know, it'd be like finding that wallet in the woods, and before you return it, you, you slip another $100 into it. Verse 1 says that these people were drawing near to Jesus. Their, their great desire was to be found by him. And so these parables are a reminder to you and me that Jesus, in Jesus' search for the lost, it's, it's not that the lost, it's not the lost who are the problem. It's it's us. We're the ones who can be the problem. When we don't see the value of other people, we don't search for them. We don't seek the lost. Now, whether it's wallets or whether it's people, the truth is the intensity of your search depends on the value of what you have lost. You lose a wallet, it's, it's not just about the money, is it? No, no, your, your license is in there, your credit cards are in there, uh, there's other items of value, maybe even some sentimental value, maybe you still keep pictures in your wallet, and so it becomes a hassle of canceling and replacing your license, canceling the credit cards, but, but there's no replacing people. There's no replacing their value. Every individual is valuable to God, and therefore every individual needs to be valuable to us. And so Jesus begins with a parable that those listening to him, all of them should have been able to relate to his parable. He starts off in verses 3 and 4. Luke says, now he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine into the, in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. He appeals directly to the Pharisees themselves. What man of you? This is personal. This is about you. This is about your loss. This is about what you value. A flock of a hundred sheep would be a very large flock in those days, and the loss of one sheep would diminish that value. And yes, in that culture, it would be perfectly reasonable to leave those 99 in a safe place and go searching for that one that's lost. That, that's the job. That's the job of a shepherd. That's what a shepherd does. And the Pharisees saw themselves as shepherds, of God's people. They saw their responsibility was to feed the people, to nurture them in the law, to teach them the law, to lead them, to, to even correct them from time to time, quite often. But they didn't value them. They didn't see these people as valuable to God. So it didn't matter to them when they were lost. I have a little ritual I go through when I leave the house, especially if I'm going on a long trip. I, I stand there by the door just as I'm leaving, and I say, got my keys, got my wallet, got my phone. And I, I keep track of all of those things like that. I want to make sure they are all on me. There are valuable things. There are things we value that we do not want to lose. And for some of them, it's the hassle. If I lost my, if I lost my keys, I'd have to have new keys made. If I lost my phone, I'd have to go through the process of getting a new phone. But then there's other things. If I lose a wallet, I've lost an awful lot there. I've lost the money that's in there. 
If I were to lose my wedding ring, I mean, that's sentimental value. It has a lot of personal value to me. It's not just about the item itself. It's about the way we love that item, the way we value that item. And I think of a friend of mine who I talked to last week, and he was telling me about his son. He was telling me about how one day, a few months ago, he got up in the morning and the van was gone and his son was gone. His son had run off in the night. This friend of mine is deeply concerned now that he's losing his child. The intensity of your search depends on the value you place on that which is lost. Now you and I, we understand that for ourselves. And I have to believe that the Pharisees should have understood that. But we also need to recognize that there are people in your life that God longs to find. I shouldn't say this, but it's rare that I lose things. I'm one of those people that I know where everything is most of the time. It's very rare that I lose anything. And if I do lose something, I don't lose it for very long. I, I know where my keys are. I know where my wallet is. I, I have a button on my watch that if I misplace my phone, I push that button and my, my phone will start beeping and I can find my phone that way. It's usually buried under some papers right there on my desk. I credit my mom with my fastidiousness when it comes to keeping an eye on where my things are, knowing where my things are. Whenever something went missing at home, I, I could hear mom. She would say, You'll, you would lose your head if it wasn't fastened on. And yes, usually she said head. And then as we were searching for something, mom would always say, and I, I still don't understand this, but she would always say, wherever it is, it'll be in the last place you look for it. Yeah, that's how searching works, Mom. It's always in the last... Who finds something and then keeps on searching for a while? <sighs> There's something very personal in both of these parables, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. I want you to hear it in, in verses 5 and 6. When he has found it, when he has found the sheep, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. From the way he carries the sheep on his shoulders, so it's not going to run off again, to the way that he declares to his friends, I have found my lost sheep. The shepherd takes the lost personally. He also takes the find personally. This is mine. It belongs to me. Therefore, he values it. There are people in your life who God values. There are people in your life that God longs to find. Right now, they, they may not be seeking him, but, but he is seeking them. They may have no use for faith and no use for religion, they, they, they may not understand what we do here. They may not get it, but they get you. <laughs> they know you. They value you. They, they love you. They trust you. They like being around you. And that's a place where faith can begin. That's a place where God can begin his search for them. You really hear that. In the second parable, the parable of the lost coin, verse, verse 8, 
Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? There's a difference in this parable. Do you hear the difference? You know, we, we might understand a sheep wandering off. We might understand a sheep's got a mind of its own and it may wander off, it may walk off, it may run off, it may think it sees better pasture over there. Coins don't run off. Coins don't steal your van and, and disappear in the night. And yet the intensity of the search doesn't change. A lamp is lit in hopes that maybe a glint of the metal will show up in the, in the light of the lamp. The woman sweeps the floor, the hard stone floor, listening carefully for the tinkle of the coin against the rocks. And you hear it again in verse 9. And when she found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. My lost coin. My lost sheep. Being lost does not change the value before God. He longs to find them. Just as he longs to find them, he also calls us. He calls us to the joy of welcoming the lost home. Last week we were in Luke chapter 14, and it was there that we heard Jesus' parable of the great banquets, and invitations are sent out, and, and those invitations are rejected. And so the master of the banquet tells his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Jesus' great desire is that his table be full. You listen to that parable and how it ends, and then you listen to these parables and how they end. Verse 6, the shepherd, when he comes home, he calls his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And then Jesus says, so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The lost sheep is found and the result is there is joy and there is a celebration. Verses 9 and 10, and when she has found it, the coin, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The lost coin is found, and the woman throws a party. I always wondered about that one, though. How much did her party cost her? How many coins did she spend on her party? I mean, I'm pretty sure the, the shepherd of the lost sheep, I'm pretty sure he didn't serve lamb at his party. But what did the party cost that woman? You know, it, it, that's not the point. It doesn't matter. The point is she calls her friends. The point is they gather together. Those who love her, those who know her and love her and know her heart for the lost coin, they come and they celebrate with her. 
The theme of that banquet that we saw last week, that great banquet, that same theme continues here with a shepherd with a lost sheep and a woman with a lost coin. The theme is that there is going to be a feast. There is going to be a celebration. It's not just about that which was lost. It's about those who know the heart of the searcher, those who know the heart of God. And for you and me, it's not just about the people that we know who are lost currently. It's about knowing God's heart. It's about knowing Jesus. It's about knowing his heart and the value that he has for those people that we love and realizing that since he values them, then we value them. And just as he searches for them, we seek them also. I think about growing up here in Kansas. I think about growing up as a kid that did not attend church. I was not from a church family. I did not go to church as a child. This was not part of my life at all. I had no idea growing up that there was a God that loved me. I had no idea that there was a God who was searching for me, who, who longed for me and wanted me to come to him. And I don't think I would have ever known that if it weren't for people in my life who showed me that. I think about the preacher. I think about Bill Irwin, who was the preacher here when I was a child. And I think about the first time I met Bill Irwin, one of the first things he said to me was, let's get you to camp. Let's send you off to camp where you can go and you can have a good time. I think about the people who invited me to youth group, not just invited me, by the way, but came and picked me up week after week to make sure I was going to be there. I think about the people who welcomed me into their homes and welcomed me to parties, people who showed me that I had value. You know, it doesn't have to be a lost kid either. It, it can be a lost adult, and there's plenty of lost adults out there. You know, that wallet has been out in the woods for over 70 years now, and I guarantee you if I were to stop by that woods today, I would spend a little time looking and if Marge was still around, my mom, and, and I found it, mom would say, well, it was in the last place you looked for it, wasn't it? <sighs> you know, someone in your life, someone in your life may be stuck in the last place you'd look. Someone in your life may be stuck in that last place you'd look. Maybe they're stuck in a bad relationship. Maybe you haven't seen that bad relationship because you've not been looking for that Maybe someone that you love is stuck at home after losing a spouse. Maybe they are stuck and maybe they are sick and they have no idea, no idea that there is a God who loves them, but they know you and they know that you love them. They know that from the way you check in on them, from the way that you care for them, the way that you invite them, the way that you, the way that you welcome them. Well, they know that in the way that you celebrate with them. The shepherd calls his friends together to celebrate. And he says, I've found my lost sheep. The woman calls her friends together to celebrate. And she says, I have found my lost coin. Later, a little later on in this chapter, a, a father will call everyone together to celebrate. And he'll say, this son of mine was lost and is found. He was dead and he is alive again. We'll look at, we'll look at that one next week. But one thing you cannot miss in all of these stories, in the end, everyone celebrates. That needs to include you. And it will include you when you and I value our lost friends, just as Jesus does. When we join Jesus in his search, 
He welcomes us to his celebration. The goal hasn't changed. It's still about the lost. It's still about the search. And it's still about coming to his table. It's all about who will be seated at his table with you. You know, when we, when we come to communion week after week, I, I don't know about you, but I very often find myself as we come to communion, I, I find myself thinking about people I used to take communion with. I find myself thinking about friends and family members, people that I used to take with every week, people I miss, people who have gone on ahead, people who one day I'll get to take communion with again, people I'll celebrate with around that table. Let's never fail, though. Let's never fail to think about those who aren't here yet. Let's never fail to look ahead to those that aren't here yet. And as we take in anticipation of that celebration that, as Jesus says here, before the angels, let's also take in anticipation of the search of those that we invite, those that we seek, and those with whom we will celebrate. Let's take a moment and pray as we prepare to take communion today. Father, in our, when we were lost, when we were so far from you, Lord, we, most of us didn't even realize we were lost, but even then, when we were lost, you, you were searching for us. Lord, long before any of us could comprehend, you sent your Son to die for us, to, to seek us out, to die for us, to give his life, to let his body be broken, to let his blood be shed. And Lord, we... We understand that today because somebody loved each one of us enough to seek us out in our lostness. Lord, there's someone that we love today, and there's someone that we would love to celebrate communion with as they come to you, and there's someone we would love to have with us at that table, at that great banquet in your kingdom. And so as we take today, we not only look back at what Jesus has done for us, but we look ahead to those with whom we can share his promise, and we can share his celebration. Thank you for your amazing love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. God bless, and go in peace.